0: what do you got we were trying to change something skateboarding is a way of learning how to read the fire the owners of this country don't care about the so maybe push me
1: push me again
0: Screaming out but <laughs> I really love the juxtaposition of the this and that and you kind of like end up getting to a a point where you're bullshitting your way through it. Um, what's up, you miscreants, you misfits, you outcast of society? I am truly honored to have our guest, Victor Atkins, artist extraordinaire, um, someone that I stumbled upon. His videos, I believe it was Instagram. They were made for YouTube, right? Right. right. In, uh, 19... Yeah, 2019, and for some reason they just really popped out for me among the sea of content that we we see on Instagram or YouTube. There was something about your demeanor, the way that you were expressing, the way that you felt, and how you viewed the artistic expression. And also another thing that, like, for me, like, was a, a very like focal point was you're you're older right and you have this experience and what what we tend to see on Instagram or social media is really perspectives from um, to me like unwise unwise people <laughs> people that haven't had the experience to talk about and that was something that I gravitated towards and I, I think because I feel like there's a disconnect especially with social media of what, you know, what I, what I learned, you know, growing up is to gain experience from people that have lived it, right. That have gone on, on these journeys. And I knew just right away from looking at your videos that you were someone that has lived it and now you were sharing it and you were sharing it in a way that was, I think, meaningful for people like me. And, uh, how did you end up doing those videos what inspired you to do those videos um well first of all don't confuse gray hair with wisdom <laughs> right <laughs> it,
1: it's just uh, i tend to be very introspective so it often can sound like wisdom. but thank you um it was really not my idea um one of the people that i work with wanted to Get some of the things that I think about and I'm obsessed about out on the air to uh, have a conversation, a broader conversation with uh, a wider age group, uh, and to share some of the life experiences that I've gone through from you know, my early life to, to
0: where I'm now. So talking about your earlier life, your early life, I don't know too much about your early life and where you grew up and how you got to the point of getting into art. Can you give me a brief overview of of your life? Yeah, sure.
1: Um, I, I grew up in New York, uh, in the Rockaways near the beach. Uh, my early years were nothing to write home about. Um, I was a kid, (laughs) uh, I, uh, my, my my interesting part of my life really began uh, when the drug culture hit uh, the beach community in the sixties, and uh, I started to see a lot of people dying uh, from from the more toxic uh, drug use, if you will, and uh, I had to make a choice: do, do I want to live or do I want to go down the same route? How old were you around, uh, around I this time? I was thing? in my early 20s, you know, and I, I didn't know what I wanted to do myself. with myself, I'm sorry. and uh, I kind of liked to draw and I liked the art world and I had a lot of friends who went to um, the School of Visual Arts in New York and um, that just seemed like a better alternative than either sticking a needle in my arm or jumping off a building. So, um, yeah, I choose life. I still choose life but uh, it was really in art school that i, I really found a, a passion or a heart throb that i I could identify at that
0: point in my life as uh, who I am and, and what my purpose might be do you remember the the moment when you really started feeling connected to that I was almost on day one you know I was treated like
1: an entirely different human being you know the the art world is, um, especially in, in the 60s and 70s, was somewhat in the avant-garde mode where uh, everyone was welcome, you know, the, the freakier the better, the, the nerdier the better. It didn't matter who you were. It was just if you're willing to be part of, if you were willing to accept this is what's happening and I've got something to add to it or take from it and... Uh, it was a much different atmosphere that, than, you know, uh, a small high school community in, in, in the beach. It was uh, very insular there, very expansive in, in the world. You know, I, I would say that when I moved to the Lower East Side and, and started going to art school, at, uh, yeah, that was really the major turning point in my
0: life. What was the art scene? like at that time what was what was the energy what was really going on at that time as far as exploration exploration?
1: you know when i started our school the art school which is pretty famous now school of Visual arts was not an accredited school so it was more or less a party school for for artists Um, and that was just about everything that i needed you know at that point in my life i could continue to do light drugs you know to smoke a lot of weed and uh, just uh, party and, and go home and paint. So my life became about a mix of, of exploring art and exploring social activities and exploring a social community. And uh, it, it had exploded, but the art scene had exploded, uh, you know, with Warhol and, and uh, Basquiat and, you know, the Studio 54 thing and in the beginning I was in the peripheral of that you know as a young art student there was more of a localized community but I think in the um in the 70s I moved to Soho and and that's where I was really immersed in it um art was everywhere you know the, you could walk across, across the street and the best galleries in the world were in the Castelli building you know uh, or you can go around the corner and it was just gallery after gallery after gallery and great artists after great artists but uh, also uh, it was a, a tight community there was just literally hundreds of artists
0: everywhere looking looking back on it what what do you think was really responsible for the art explosion cuz prior to that right there 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 wasn't there that didn't really exist in the capacity that it ended up being and then now carried on over into now and of course being connected to uh, you know commercialism as well but when it initial in the infancy of it uh, it wasn't that necessarily but where where do you think that that came from?
1: Well historically um, like the abstract expressionism movement that really started in the 1930s which I wasn't there for mm-hmm. <laughs> but or the '40s or the '50s, but what the artists in the '40s and '50s found out was this really cheap rent for massive spaces. As if you paid twenty-five dollars a month, that was that was a lot. You know, some places were almost free because these landlords didn't know what to do with the space. Uh, in In the '60s and '70s, people got hip to that. That hey, this area, this this Soho area, as it was there were all these industrial buildings that uh, most of the businesses were, were, were kind of going out, uh, but they still owned the buildings. So the, they were transferred from merchants to landlords. And the artists were quick to find space. And even until the, uh, I'd say the 80s, it was still very affordable. So I think I think the need for space and the secondary need for community or maybe they're both equal drew people to um, that kind of space which doesn't exist anywhere else
0: I don't want to necessarily jump ahead too far but I think it's relatable to oh, the, the, ahead to and the jump, topic yeah. <laughs> how do you think that contrast now where it's it's firstly you know like you would never be able to find a place that was inexpensive or like a starving artist could really exist without really working like on a commercial level I would imagine back then like you could just be the the suffering artist but still really maintain that lifestyle um, in a way that you just couldn't do that now you'd be living in a tent right like if you were trying to live the same way back then what how do you how do you view view that contrast
1: well yeah that's true in LA for sure I mean if you want to live in Iowa <laughs> Yeah. And, and be in a very teeny community of maybe you and your family um, right, yeah. y- you can maybe live for less than la i, I think it's, it's a given but i think the problem w- with being an artist in new york or la or chicago one of the bigger places is it goes back to to money you know it goes back to the ridiculous amount of monies people charge for these spaces the landlords got hip in the same way the artists did and they started jacking the rents up where it became unaffordable and, and socially and uh, the overall narrative of, of life in in the West is there's really little respect for artists. Uh, there's a, there isn't an embracing of, you know, this art culture as there is in some of the other parts of the world. So uh, it it's monetized. And, and if I can make money from you, fine. And so I, I think what artists are forced to do, in the same way, we're forced in some situations for the twenty and thirty year olds to uh, find shares. So now we see large spaces cutting up into uh, even like we we work spaces or just uh, somebody will run a big space and make three spaces out of it so it's n- it's very very different you, w- w- unless you're very very successful um, you have to work in the consigns of, of what's available you know uh, something like a, a 400 square foot space which is not very big for, for a painter in a place like Vernon which is on the edge of uh, the art district is two and three dollars a square foot Tessing into South Central yeah. talking about Vernon yeah, yeah. so um, you can go further into dark territories but you know it depends on who you are and, and how you get along with with those situations um, back in the day it was not a problem because it was just industry now you're invading people's areas so you know people are looking for cheap spaces and in a way it, it's gentrifying you know although it's for the creative, gentrifying is gentrifying that people of the neighborhood are not particularly enamored with that. So if you're the kind of person who can sneak your way in and and keep your head low and get along with your neighbors, you'll do well, but it's still pretty pricey.
0: I was just gonna suggest that now I think it's less about the idea of the community um, versus you know what we have now is more of a, a self-indulgent, self—you uh, know—gratifying or, or just self-motivated for the individual versus like a community sense. It doesn't really matter where someone ends up or what they're doing. It's that to me that connection has like lost. But I think that really translates over into a lot of things. As as time has moved on, we have less and less sense of community and what that means uh in all areas of life
1: yeah but you know yes and no um, uh, we're finding in this last year as w- the, the dream is to come out of this pandemic that there's a desperate hunger amongst the art community to come together as a community uh, we, we get being in LA here that uh, there's basically Eighty little LAs, and mm-hmm. th- they're yeah. divided by little areas. And e- every area has a different type of art community, and they're somewhat defined by the tributaries that run in and out of LA. Uh, what happens in L- East LA will not ha- ha- be the same that happens in Pasadena, or uh, in West Philly. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. sorry, go back to Philly. We went <laughs> back to Philly. Just a little <laughs> mind fart. Sorry. Um, In West Hollywood. Um, So we're finding, you know, just as we go to some events, uh, especially now that we've moved into the film world, we're finding there's a real need for community. It's just more work than if you have 20 people who are your neighbors.
0: Oh, big time. So jumping back, we went forward a little bit. Let's go back to... I want to talk more about how you got into painting itself. So when you first went to art school you didn't necessarily have that passion for painting or was it something that was on your radar? It was on my radar,
1: it was just a foreign language because you know, I, before that it was a pencil and a pad.
0: But, um, and did you have any idea of the, the history of painting or like current painters? I, I learned as I, I dived
1: in, you know, I, I'm a pretty passionate person, so if I'm going to do something, I, I'm going to dive in. So, I, I, again, being in New York at that time, there was so many great museums, so many great galleries, so many artists that you can get in their studios and hang out with, so many people to give you somewhat of a mentorship kind of situation, but at the same hand, people were very often private about their work. There was a... a, a, Having so many artists in that area, when it comes to seeing and sharing work, there was a little uh, air of paranoia, you know, people concerned about their ideas being ripped off, you know, so... so It it was an interesting mix, you know. I I don't want to paint it as like art heaven. It it was like with uh, all the problems that come with life, uh, but it was just unique because there's so many creatives... In all the fields, it wasn't just painters, it was filmmakers, it was sculptors, it was...
0: uh, Photographers.
1: Photographers, tons of great photographers, uh, great filmmakers, um, actors, uh, dancers. I mean, it was really quite an interesting mix. Uh, The performing garage was there. um, there, Improvisational theater... um, Just everything was there, you know, and you would often see like John Lennon walking around, or um, uh, I believe um, Jimi Hendrix had a studio across the street from a friend of mine. So it it drew everybody, you know, it was kind of the place to be and the place where where art, art was happening.
0: So when did you get to the point, so when you first started like painting, when you got there, what was the point where you're like, this is it. This is really what I want to do. Like when you first saw your work that, okay, I, there's a lot of potential here. Oh, when,
1: when when galleries, even before I left art school, said, yeah, we'll show you. And then people bought yeah. it.
0: How was that? Like, what was that
1: process like? It It was kind of easier then because there isn't the same competition for the lack of a better word you know um, I mean o- over time it got to be intense but like in the 60s there were lots of new galleries um, th- that were trying to break in and and kind of get a piece of the action uh, it would be relatively impossible to get into a gallery like Castelli or Emmerich uh, you have to already have a, a name you know um but there were a lot of secondary galleries that opened. So for a young artist, you, you can find your way into a gallery. And once st- stuff starts to sell, you know, you feel like you have value. So it's easy to get hooked. And, and that combined with just a radical
0: community where there's a, a Ener- lot Energy must have been so amazing. Amazing. And yeah. it,
1: was, it, was, it was a nightlife, you know. I mean, you, I'd get up at 11 and... and Paint for, you know, till maybe 10 or 11 at night. And then we would go out and do a round of five or six bars and just come home and crash and get up and go paint again. And that was kind of the circuit of my life.
0: What was the first painting that you sold? And do you you remember? Oh, I don't remember. I've sold so many, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah I'm just like curious as to how much it like sold for and then how much you could live off that like around that time.
1: Well I I, the thing I do remember is like in 1969 I decided it'd be fun to do some uh, record covers so I, I took some small canvases and I just did a bunch of paintings and I walked into Columbia Records and I asked to see the art director and so just strolled up in there. Yes, walked right <laughs> in and, and they let me in and I wow. said, "I'd like to do some record albums." And he looked at the paintings. He had. "These are cool. Uh, let me see if I got something for you." And uh, I don't know. A week later, he called and said, "Are you interested in doing a Miles Davis cover?" What? Yeah. And so I said, "Sure."
0: You're <laughs> like, "Let me think about it." <laughs>
1: So I did the Miles Davis cover, and that was six hundred dollars, uh, just straight straight out, and for for young artists, that was a lot of money. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I did very little changes to the original art. You know, I think there was one color in there that Miles didn't like, and asked me to change. And wow. He he really loved it, and I was happy, and I thought, okay, I got a gig here. Uh, so the next thing they called me about was, um, "Hey, do you want to do the a Bee Gees thing?" And I said, oh, "Well, yeah, that, they're pretty popular, you know. M- maybe there's something to this, cal- yeah. you know, this yeah. album
0: stuff." And so I'm really interested in the Miles Davis cover. Before we uh, go any further, which which Miles Davis album? Uh, there's album cover? Miles in the Sky. Wow. So <laughs> that's still. There's actually a.
1: An internet, uh, I'm sorry, Instagram group just for that album. So uh, there's uh, something <laughs> oh, like wow. 600 people on this group. It's, it's just it's pretty just outstanding. Yeah. 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 And I've got so much attention over, mostly here in LA, about that co- that cover. So it, it's been a trip. Wow.
0: How did that make you feel being a, a young artist to be able or be connected to that name? and were you a fan of Miles Davis bef- before that? Yeah, I was. Um and it,
1: it was just like 600 bucks. What's next?
0: You know, <laughs> yeah. It, just, it uh, I would know. have sat in that feeling for quite some time if that was if that was me, but I,
1: I, I you know, I, I just was about work, you know. I, I've always been like worker bee. I, I don't get I get somewhat googly-eyed and, and, and fan, fan love, but but not overwhelming. You know, I was invited to sit with, uh, and and uh, let me back up. I knew this really well-known French photographer, and uh, he was friends with Paul Abby Hoffman and Paul Rubin, uh, which were the, the extreme radicals of the day, and uh, they were going to have a sit-down with with John Lennon, and. Uh, so Jacques said, you want to come? And I went, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, what the hell am I going to add to that conversation? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not a radical. You know, I, I probably believe in a lot of the shit that they're talking about. But um, I, that's not my thing. I, I'm, I'm an artist. That's what I do. Uh, that's where I found my passion. That's where I found my heartbeat. And so... Uh, there's plenty of times where, you know, we sat down with famous people, somebody having lunch at a corner cafe. With, uh, this uh, one, at, one instance was uh, this guy David that I knew was sitting with Lauren Bacall and uh, said, hey, come sit down and have some lunch with us. So that was kind of a regular thing. You know, we, you, you just... They're people, man. I mean, they all pissed the same way. You know, mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, it didn't really go, oh, yeah, I, I've got to be John Lennon's buddy or I've got to kind of hang out with that person. If that happened organically, it was like, yeah, but
0: it wasn't yeah. a drive. Yeah, there's only, like, two people that I'd probably nerd out on. I don't know so much anymore. It was Woody Allen before, but I don't know about that now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Larry David. If I if I saw him, I'd probably geek out a little bit. But, yeah. uh, but I having the experience of being involved in the skateboarding world... I learned that early on, especially living in LA, you'd see pro skaters like all the time. And then when I owned my skate shop, I was meeting people that I was like, uh, Is it tight? Yeah, it's just like pressing on my glasses. That's what happens to me too. Like right now, the pressure is just like here. But I've, I listen to, I use these when I do my editing. Um, But uh, you can, you can probably take them off and, Cause you don't need them to. Yeah, yeah if I could take, take them off, off. that'd be yeah, cool. Because yeah, it's yeah.
1: but what it does is, it digs the, um, the ends of these things. Oh in. no, I know, yeah. <laughs> I feel it. So um, uh, I just it's uh, it's
0: good for me to be able to. It's uh, I can I can hear without any worries about what you're saying or, okay. or anything like that. Uh, so I'll just go ho- headphones. You go headphone headphoneless. Oh, that's cool. Would be good. Yeah. I like the contrast. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, what I was saying about like skateboarding is that when I own my skate shop, I started meeting like legends, like these guys that I grew up with in the 80s and 90s. And even prior to that, you know, just like I said, living in L.A., it's a lot different right than a kid that lives in the Midwest that's so disconnected from that. They look up to these skaters as like gods and like sort of inhuman like they're just there's something else. But you I learned from an earlier early stage that they're just people. Mm. And so that really started like carrying over into like <laughs> everything and how I how I went about it. I'd like to get back to your approach. Ian Mackay of Minor Threat had did an interview and they asked him about, you know, if he followed how many record sales they got or anything like that. And he's he just uh he kind of shook his head and said, "No, I, I just do the work. I just do the work, and I'm not really worried about what the outcome is. If I'm just focused on doing the work, and that that's the process that actually makes me happy, it's not worrying mm-hmm. about other things. I'd actually learn that as, and I'm still learning that. But I really like that mentality because I think you're a lot. You you are a you're able to be a lot more consistent with your work if you're not always worrying about what's going to happen with the work after you're just in the pr- like you're in the moment with your work is that something that developed for you or that was just innate
1: um i was just thinking the best way to answer that um the work itself has a heartbeat, you know. If we're connected to the idea of being a maker, um, we, we have a heartbeat that connects us to make something. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the wh- where we live and where we work, we begin to have a conversation with, and, and so the exploration for me is to be concerned, not to worry, uh, to be concerned about craft, to be concerned about storytelling, to be concerned about putting forth a positive message into a pretty dark world. Um, so m- my obsession is is more of being a, a good storyteller to, to uh, find ways to improve m- who I am as a person what drives me as a person, what drives me to do this work. Um, I I think for the last 15 years, it's impossible for me to do anything that there isn't something bigger than myself driving this work. So if there's something bigger than myself driving this work, there's really uh, nothing to worry about. So... I, I look at the idea of being a maker as a gift. So you know what's cool is is oftentimes people give us a gift like a shirt or uh, a gift card to some goofy restaurant and you know maybe for the restaurant we'll use it once or the most times it will sit in the drawer and the gift goes unused. But a shirt, you know it, it's kind of usually something you'd never wear. And uh, it sits in the closet, and it has no use. But when when we give these kind of heavenly gifts, if you were, whatever you believe in, when when you're gifted with the the joy of making, uh, it no longer becomes a pressure. It becomes an involvement. And so we learn to honor the gift and, and make well thought out well invested use of that gift not to take it granted and so uh, the the work becomes about honoring a gift
0: not being a worker Mm. That's so interesting to me that you bring that up because just recently something that i created i created for somebody else and it was done in a different way than what I guess I usually create because it, it came from more of a place of love because I've like had these deeper connections and deeper understandings with this person. So when I was creating, I'd, I didn't think about what the outcome was. I just was so invested with whatever the feeling that I had inside, and then it, it came out. But the fact that, for me, I put my energy into that and this creativity, and then the person's response or what they got out of it was tenfold than me sending a card or, you know what I mean, with some writing that somebody else or something else that somebody created. Um, But that really, I was able to tap into something else. And sometimes I do that, and then when I'm shooting photos with my daughter, For example, I usually will create, like for me, like really beautiful pictures. And it doesn't really matter what the response is or or whatever it is. But then I've noticed that people gravitate towards when I'm, I know when I was in that moment of taking the photo, it was pure connection to whatever the subject or whatever it was that I was taking a picture of. And I know when it's been more maybe contrived or thought about and, and not as connected, it's not, it's not conveyed in that way of coming from a place of just pureness or love or, or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, when you talk about that, that, that source, um, did you have did you have that as a younger artist?
1: No, uh, you said
0: the last fifteen years that it really um, started hitting different. It was there,
1: you know. It, it was like an itch, you know. It's an itch, and you know you can't get at it. You don't know what it's about. Mm. Too abstract, yes. somewhat annoying, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know.
1: Um, it's been really in the last 15, 20 years that um, the, that kind of ache to to explore the mysticism of life mm. uh, began to become recognizable to uh, be almost something that I could actually grasp uh, or at the very least explore. And um, it was was just a great freedom and a great agony um, because we have to forget a lot of... uh, I I can't talk for you. I mean, I have to forget a lot of old thinking, you know. I have to just... uh, Start working on on making new new neural pathways. You know the old ones just don't. You know they're invested in, in making my life like shit, mm-hmm. and, and and so I'm finding things that are are bringing me joy, and I want to go back to what you said. You know, like love is the universal language. All all hearts gravitate towards love. When when we make when we we make from a place of love. When we make from a place of a connection of greater than ourselves as a photographer. When you photograph another person, if if you see that person through the eyes of love, one thing's going to happen. If you see them just through the eyes of a good technician, another thing's going to happen. And the viewer will know that intuitively. So when you photograph pictures I've seen of your daughter, you know, they... they have an inner life in them that wouldn't be there if you're just kept trying to capture moments. Uh, what you're doing is you're capturing moments through that lens of love. And, you know,
0: I believe that's what makes storytelling special. So for myself, that wasn't always the case of wanting to create or, or do things um, from that place. I was especially with writing you know because i would write a lot of poetry as well and i always felt that i had to suffer in order to create um create but that was part of what you're talking about is like this old way of thinking for myself because i grew up around so much dysfunction and Mm -hmm. suffering that that place felt really comfortable for me so i felt like in order because i wanted to express so much when i was younger and photography for me was something at a, a very young age that I gravitated towards that I had I had a, a love for. And but I, I didn't know how to navigate through that because I just didn't have the tools and I didn't really have the guidance to, to really focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like when I got older, and especially when I was incarcerated, I tapped into writing a lot. But it always came from a place of suffering, and it hasn't been until recent, recently, well, even with the, the birth of my daughter, of like wanting to express it in a different way, yeah. but more so, I think now, in the last few months for myself, I just, it's it, it's coming from such a different place, and I, I feel like I've tapped into something that maybe that is what you're talking about. Um, uh,
1: yeah. I, I I hope so. You know, I mean, it's a great place to be. The um, it's it's you know the, all hearts generate towards love. It. It's really that simple. And and when w- we can touch that, we can come near that. You know,
0: something special will happen. So, what do you think? You were what? Going back to the question, where were what were you creating prior to that? Were you just um, yeah? Wh- where do you think that your creation was coming from or um, that expression of how, how, how does it differ from than what you're experiencing now?
1: Well, I, I think it, it, certainly from passion, you know, the, the thing about uh, makers is, depending on your medium, um, you know, I, I, I get inspiration through my eyes. You know, So seeing things, we want, we want to make stories. Uh, the, the difference is, is when we make on our own energy, we're always reliant on ourselves. So if I'm constantly working to work, if I'm working to make art, if I'm working to make art for money and it's all coming from my own energy, um, sooner or later I'm going to burn out you know, sooner or later, uh, people can demand things from me that I, I will bow down to um, because um, I, I'm in it for that approval. I'm in it for that success. But for in my life, you know, I, everything I, I, I do is, is I, I conspire with God. And what does that mean? Uh, conspiring with God it actually means to breathe with God is the actual translation so I, I feel like you know in, in scripture uh, it talks about God being our co-labor or co-partner so that's a radical thing for me the idea that I can sit down in my studio with God and ask for advice and ask like just as you were sitting here with me and, and I would ask you well what do you think about this? And, and to to have ears to actually hear, and and, and a voice to actually have a conversation, um, and not be reliant just on self, but be reliant on a conversation with a greater power. So for for me, that that just makes me hungry for more of the conversation, for more ways to tell story uh, to to. You know, again, these days, for now, anyway, to move outside of making paintings to to making film. Um, But I want to talk to you about suffering for a minute. You know, it's the same thing with suffering. If you write about suffering from a suffering place, you get one sound. But if you write from uh, suffering from, from a place of finding even the the joy that came out of your suffering so if, if 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 you find a place of 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 peace in your life we should never avoid our suffering because it what brings us to the place of peace mm. um so then we can really tell our story for, for from a, a a dynamic powerful point of view um when we have stories about suffering, I don't want to invalidate them at all and say that's not something you should just write you should just paint, you should just do it, you know. uh, But what I'm suggesting is you should find something bigger than yourself and a bigger reason to do it. But whatever your life story is, don't ignore it. Just find a way to tell it with with
0: with, um, that love language. So it's interesting. I had a conversation uh, with my mom right before coming over. And I had actually come to that realization and expressed it to her because for like a really long period of time, I I blamed circumstances. I blamed the way that I grew up uh, for me going through so much suffering. And she was talking about how I'm always... uh, I'm always involved in something. I have a lot of different things going on always, and I love it. for me it's how how for me, it's how I should be living my life, uh, not really necessarily identifying with one thing that limits me to that one thing mm-hmm. like I just I like I want to experience everything and I, I came to the understanding in that moment though, and I had never thought about it it was because of the way that I grew up in that dysfunction, uh, not knowing, you know, or, or ending up in places, right? Like because we couldn't afford to live, we had to go move over here. If we didn't have enough money for food, we had to go like dig in trash cans for recycles. Uh, I mean, the, the, the list is endless, but in that moment, I really realized that that is, that experiences experience is why i am okay with going out into situations going out and encountering things people events everything without fear or or to understand that you get past it no matter what situation you're put in um, you're okay and mm-hmm. there can be really beautiful things that can come out of it but I never had that understanding until today. No, awesome. which is, it, well, it's interesting that you had, you brought that up. Yeah,
1: because you know, here, here's the deal. You know, that's what you went through. But the bigger deal is there's a whole bunch of other people going through it right now. And if we tell our story, well, you know, this is what I did. This is what happened. This is what I did, and here I am. We don't offer any hope. And have you clearly, you've made it to the other side of that. Uh, You may not be fully where you you dream you might be right now, but you're on the path. You're on the road where you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to go into a situation where you're imprisoned. You know, there's all kinds of imprisonment. You know, we can be socially imprisoned. We could be artistically imprisoned. Or or we can commit crimes and and actually be incarcerated. Uh, But that should happen. You know, so the question as a storyteller, what do you do with it? As a human, what what do I do with it? You know, how do I live my life? Through, and how do I use what happened? Regardless of what age you are, if you're 16 or, or if you're 90, you got a few hours left. You know, how do I live those hours um, with hope? How do I live those hours? with joy? How do I live those hours with family and and not with bitterness, not with anger? And and so there's something about recognizing our, our suffering is important and recognizing that there's something bigger than that that will get us through. And storytelling is
0: one of the best ways to get that out. So when you were going through your your journey as being an artist you where did you feel that you felt the strongest about as far as storytelling um and then how were you able to really convey that um you can you can see on the other side of Victor's uh head his paint his pretty recent painting right this is mm-hmm. something that you Um, and this is kind of, I make that connection to you like that is, it's Victor. Um, when did you start doing that style of painting and where did it come from for you? Um,
1: the, uh, idea of of something being more important than the other. I, I think it's more about transition you know, and, and uh, I mentioned earlier that we're affected by environment as well as the whole complement of, of other things. And uh, th- these paintings really had its genesis in just before the Miles Davis cover. You know, the Miles Davis cover was done in this style, and uh, I continued doing this style for, for some years. And to pick up on my own thought about being a self-motivated artist, where it's just me, I got to the point where I I just felt, uh, you know, I'm being redundant. I'm not really offering anything as an artist. It's just the same damn story over and over. Um, I was selling a lot, a lot of paintings, and and privately, and um, I just felt like I was making wallpaper for people and so I stopped you know I I stopped and what year was this or how old were you I was about 40 and you know I just stopped and I began to explore film I was always fascinated with film in art school it's just seemed like um some of my friends who were in the the film school section were conversation was just amazing you know that they're the collaboration, the, the amount of thinking that went in.
0: The collaboration's a, yeah. a big part of it, right? You have yeah. to deal with other people. I just, you know,
1: I was pretty stoned in those days. but uh, <laughs> So, you know, the, the language was like Charlie Brown language, you know, when they started talking <laughs> about the more technical stuff of filmmaking. <laughs> but, I, you know, I got a little bit older, and I got a little bit more deep into the piece of being a storyteller and wanting to make story um i began taking acting classes directing classes uh screenwriting classes Uh, you know i I was right in the heart of you know the nyu world so uh most people can't afford nyu so i I did like new schools you know the 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 extension and, and did quite a few classes and really fell in love with with filmmaking in, in the same way that I fell in love with being a painter but I just felt a greater affinity to filmmaking because of the the moving aspect of it I always felt like a show in the gallery was uh, a mini movie and, and each painting would be like a very short scene from. The, the the short film and and that collectively the the view, the viewer would have witnessed a short movie and uh, uh, it was very limiting you know it was very limiting and so I wrote a screenplay um, it was very very well received in the independent world it got really close to being a actually made as, as a film, but i got gotten um, an argument with a casting director that I hired about whether or not one of the characters should have subtitles or not, and I was a, a young radical and said no, no subtitles, and she lied to uh, William Morris about us having enough funding, and William Morris killed the film. And so that was an interesting time for me because I got really bitter about filmmaking. So I went for about fifteen years to about fifty five, even sixty, of uh, being involved with cycling and the bicycle racing world. Really? Yeah, I, did I not just know dropped this about anything you. <laughs> to do with art. Wow. You know, I was just so burnt out from painting and, and the cutthroat world and the cutthroat world of movie making that I entered a different cut world, cutthroat world of competitive cycling. And, uh, <laughs> uh, also opened a um. high-end bicycle shop. Wow. And, uh, but, you know, all that was my suffering that led me to a better place. So, you know, um, and so living here in L.A., I've been, been fairly successful about showing this work, but not so much about selling because you know of the whole pandemic thing um, actually you know it just ironically I've we moved here f- from the east coast four years ago uh, closer to five now and all the paintings that I've sold except for one recently have been back to the east coast so uh, it's just irony but um, I'm happy i'm happy people uh, have them they're in good homes and we made a little bit of money from them. But um, it just in, in the pandemic and, and in the lack of access to galleries and so many galleries closing and so many that were left open, you know, it became more competitive and more difficult. And, uh, you know, the few galleries that I had group shows with, uh, you know, they didn't know where they stand. And they started doing virtual shows, which really was a big bomb and uh, so I I picked up that screenplay from 1990 and uh, I rewrote it and uh, you know now we're in the process of developing it uh, as a feature again and doing it independently and raising money privately and uh, so so what brought you
0: back to that to wanting to do that again pick it up after all those years
1: I I, I don't know you know I just felt intuitively I'm supposed to do this I you know I don't want to freak your viewers out but I often hear from God whispering in my ear and I feel like he asked me to pick it up that it, it's a valuable story and uh, you know I have a time of quiet where um, I felt like my LA story for the paintings had reached a real, I, I, I'm back to, well, if I continue, I'm going to be making wallpaper. I, I, I That's don't, the same
0: place you were in Yeah, I, well,
1: it wasn't until the last painting I made was just in this black series. Uh, I really loved it, and I felt that I hit the pinnacle of, of what my L.A. story was. And the, the spiritual question for me is, as, a, as a maker, um, is there more to this story? Or, or, or am I going to be repeating myself? Am I going to start making wall, wallpaper again? And it's not like I felt like I need to stop. It's more like I have to. I have to take a break. I have to. I have to go away from it and see. Is my is is, is this my continuing story? To have more to say, to have more to explore. To have a different way to tell this story. And um, so it, it's on pause. I don't want to say that I've stopped painting, but. Um, I have a drive to create it's 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 how God's made me to be a creator uh, and to create with him and and you know writing I love to write uh, but i more love the idea of movies and I've always been a big fan of movies and <clears throat> the idea of uh, making movies again um, is just enthralling to me
0: well it's kind ha- <clears> of <throat> it's kind of hard to do wallpaper with movies I mean unless you're making a film a year since the 70s, like Woody Allen, where you start to see the same sort of characters. Yeah, with, with say, Woody,
1: it's that same kind of, you know. But
0: he's been doing it for so long, and he does, you know, he's been doing one, one a but, year. But he has, it's the same story, really. It, well, yeah. It's about, the, you yeah, know, yeah. You know, about classism. You classism know. Yeah. and um, moralism, and, like and, what's moral and, and what's not. What's, and what's
1: moral and, and what, what certain social uh, economical structures get away with yeah yeah exactly and and what what some can't yeah you know well yeah
0: okay got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i um, I think until you hit maybe the the 90s and then you know he did blue jasmine and that was like one of the last ones that i i really dug um but yeah it's you know like i said they're doing a lot and they're doing it like over and over where a versus like a painting it's like what like a series and then it's like it's uh there's a lot more i guess room to explore right yeah. like with with uh filmmaking than there and is we're not
1: always linked into having to write your own screenplay there's so many talented people right. with a good story and you can bring a director's eye to it um so the, you know it, it's just a fun playground that, that painting was and will continue to be but i think it's wise to know when you need to take a pause you know Mm -hmm. that you don't need to continue just to continue Um, right and sometimes that's not true sometimes you need to continue just to continue you have to find your own rhythm there's no rules you know my life is not your rule you know my life is just an example of how I stay alive, and I stay functioning, and I stay thriving, and I stay vital. You know, the, the, these are the things that get me by. Um, but filmmaking, you know, I, I can ne- next—not this coming weekend, but the following weekend—you're coming along. We're going to do a short film, and it's it's for very little money, and uh, it will be wonderful fun. And so there is access. You know, it's 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 it's. I don't need anything after that i have youtube i have instagram i have um snapchat and all the other avenues to 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 put my product out there what happens to it is the same reality of what happens with my paintings i don't know
0: (laughs) right yeah that's not the point uh,
1: you know a famous filmmaker I, i heard somebody ask him um What's your shot list what's your plan for tomorrow and he, and he said, well I have none and well how can you have no plan he says, well you know listen I can plan for tomorrow and when I get there tomorrow might have a different plan you know and, and you know I mean do you know what's going to happen tomorrow so that's I mean that's kind of way out there on the limb but that was his that was his style but the, there's something in that in in the sense of um Make a plan, but be adventurous. Mm, I like that a lot. You know, make make a plan, but be adventurous. And, uh, you know, do things that that stretch you. Do things that scare you. Do things that um, you don't care if you fall down. Because if you fall down, you get up, it'll be a little better next time.
0: Yeah, I just think of filmmakers like Cassavetes or Werner Herzog Mm -hmm. or Harmony Corinne. For me, those are filmmakers that really explore what filmmaking can be because when you are so strict that you're not allowing yourself to be open to you know if we're, we're on this schedule that's it that's all we're going to do you don't yeah. really leave a whole opera a whole lot of opportunity to be able to explore that medium yeah,
1: sure well with john cassavetes his first film had no script they improvised <laughs> the whole thing there. um john was about the moment he wanted you to believe that this moment was real um Werner loved the simplicity of filmmaking. He he hated the idea of um, all these inserts that we see now. You know these extra close-ups and you know these over the head drone shots. You know he just Mm -hmm. thought unless it's absolutely necessary, for the most part filmmakers do it because they can, which makes no reason with, at with all, rhyme or yeah. reason and, and so you know you study these filmmakers and you know you study you Marty Scorsese and um, the camera becomes an object you know it becomes a character you know it becomes part of his filmmaking and how, how could it not and so when you kind of look at the broad stroke of the different ways that the great filmmakers approach making film uh, it, it gives you inspiration to just use your voice. You know, that there's no w- one good way or one wrong way to make film. Uh, you, you can say the wrong way is being unprepared, but Casavetes was a pioneer, you know. Uh, I'm, so you can't argue with it, but, but you know, you, you take somebody like... A, Cameron and, and, and... You said James Cameron? The, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the exact person that I was thinking
1: the, of. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the immense detailing he did w- w- with uh, Alien and and with uh, The Terminator, you know, and he was a great artist as well, so he would do all his storyboarding, but the storyboarding was like the movie. It was like, I thought this dude hired a professional artist, but no, he'd draw everything and it was, it was just incredible amount of detailing uh, so does it make him a better filmmaker yeah. than Casavetes? Uh, I don't
0: know you know two, it, uh, two different things right two different
1: you, you got to have you've got to have vision you, you've got to have this is my story this is how I want to tell it these are the people I'm going to work with with with, a, with a, a collaboration comes in and I'm gonna find the love language here everybody here loves film or else they wouldn't be doing it so I'm going to find what's what's the unifying thing, and it's the story, and so then we go back to what's driving the story. So if I have another story about shit blowing up and people getting shot, you know, all right, so I'm going to entertain folks, and and if, if I make a good shoot 'em up movie, and the movie might make some money, but so what? So what? You know, yes, we should be entertained. Yes, we should have some fun. But we're also spiritual people. We're also mystical people. We're also curious people. And we're also people who live in a time where hope is a dirty word. And I think there's a responsibility that, that we have as just as humans is to approach each other from a hopeful, kind place, not from a, what are you up to, dude? You know. What, what are you trying to run on me? Uh, to, to be wise, but to be kind. And I mean, if we can do that as people, I don't want to paint the creatives as, as special, but I, I think what's special about the creatives is that they have to be drawn to the mystic, and the mystic has to live in the eternal, and the eternal has to live in some form of Godhead, regardless of, of who that is for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to tell anybody that you're right or you're wrong. You know, it's between you and what you believe in. And you, you have to find your own peace. You have to find your own solace. And you have to find the strength and the courage to tell your story, whether it's to your family or whether it's to the broad community of, of culture. Um, so it becomes a choice. Am I going to be responsible for the story or am I going to be a person who gives you one honest moment if i can give you one honest moment where you can relate to that and you can walk away to with the thought that hey there's another side to my own personal story uh by what i see man I, what else
0: can we do as humans but maybe i was Maybe most people don't look at themselves as artists because I I just look at I think we all are on a certain capacity right like you're talking about family you create you create a family right you it's I really
1: mean, I think that's the point let's debunk the the artist thing that right? yeah. we're all creatives mm-hmm. we're all creatives we all do things in a way that we can do them which is not the same as anybody else does and and. We get
0: through life by being creative, and that's what actually connects us as as one. And I I had this thought a couple of weeks ago, where it became apparent to me, just thinking about the universe itself and the the concept of the universe coming from a, a single point. Whether we don't we don't really know beyond that single point what it is, and we can call it God. But in that that moment, everything after that was created. It was created from this source. And we think about like concepts of, you know, ideas, like where they come from. It's just this this moment that happens and then it expands on that moment. It expands and what happens after that, the, the gases and the the material and all these things are coming together and then we we see a place like Earth, mm. right? With water and beautiful mountains and um, you know, one thing that I really have been connected to and understanding is that most people are not living in an awe. We, w- most people are just watching that blockbuster movie. They're just watching uh, to get the, it's just like this visceral, just you tell me mm-hmm. what I should be excited about as opposed to. Right, yeah. the
1: need to just shut up and, and, and turn, you know. Just turn turn the turn the noise off but and put, there's, put some other noise. Yeah, on.
0: but there's no there's no awe of just living and what what we are actually experiencing. And I think being detached from a spiritual understanding or sense is is repressing that that internal creativity that we all do have.
1: Well, I, we don't have a language for it. You know, I, I think there's this incredible harmony of life that it's. The things that you were just talking about, the, the, there's a, a harmonic unity of how things flow. And, and, yeah. and th- that, it, it's just, I think, you know, forgive me if you feel different, but I think it's just fucking stupid to think that a, a bunch of <laughs> things blowing up in the space someplace uh, made the beauty of an infant. If we look at a child and every little thing works, yeah. and then we grow up as an adult and we can, have the, we can do what we're doing, you know. Uh, people invented this shit. Um, it, it's all harmonic. It all comes together. And to think that it started from an abstract amoeba, you know, it's just stupid shit, you know. I, I, there's an intelligence behind all of this. There's an intelligence on how things work. Uh, there's a unity... Uh, just the way the mind and the body, if, if we look at the innards of the body, you know, there's a great uh, series on Netflix called uh, Human, and it explores the brain and, and the intricacy of the brain, and the re- it goes through the rest of the body. And if you can't see a God in that, if you can't see a harmony in that, I th- you know, this is my opinion, and if I'm pissing you off, I'm pissing you off. Um <laughs> We need to look harder. You know, This just, it's too abstract. And if you listen to like C.S. Lewis and, and the people in the C.S. Lewis Foundation and, and the, the scientists who talk about literally the fractions of an inch that the universe can shift on its axis that it would implode. It's that finite. And, and and we're too worried about our rent, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and about being pissed off at our neighbor yeah. and, and about being heartbroken because we broke up with our lady or our lady broke up with her guy or, you know, uh, somebody called you fat or whatever the hell's going on to stop and see the harmony and that awe that you're talking about. Because life is is filled with awe and and you can see it in the city streets you can see it in the in 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 tent city you can find things to just see the awe of 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 things greater than ourselves but we were just in the desert we just went up to joshua tree to scout this uh locations for this film and it's it's mind-blowing the the this Bizarre creation in these wacky trees that look like strange alien sculptures, you know, and, and to get there at four o'clock in the morning and see the the blue light and and then see the, the sunrise, it's just, wow, wow. And to take that moment and, and infuse it into how we see the world, that that's a challenge for everybody. That, that, that's... Something that has to pay off. It can't have a, a bad result. You know, um, so I, I encourage people, whatever's around you, whether whether it's y- y- your mom or, or, or your girlfriend or, or, or your wife or your baby, find the awe and the harmony in it. And I guarantee you, your life will change.
0: See, I got to start acting like we just yes victor (laughs) that was absolutely fucking beautiful (laughs) i couldn't have articulated it any better i mean but that's the truth i I, those are my exact feelings and thoughts right now but that didn't it 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 didn't just happen like i had to create that right like just as much as you've had to gone through those experiences of suffering in order to create a new outlook on everything. And I like I said, like things have been happening for me in a way recently that just touches on everything that you're talking about. And it's it's uh, congruent to and an alignment to how I see the world. And when you start opening up yourself to the the universe and if you want to call it God or or Jesus or Buddha or a lot, whatever it is, which I think it's all centered around the same understanding and truth. But when you really start to open yourself up to that, that's where the awe comes into play. Okay. And you see the, the dance for what it is. And it's really beautiful. Um, we're going to wrap up because I know that um, you have to take off and I really appreciate your time. Sure. My joy. Um, Thank you. This is, you know, kind of. This is what our conversations usually are about. And <laughs> so it's been very natural. It's been very, uh, it's, it's been beautiful to participate yeah. in. And I just want to say thank you again. Oh, I, you're welcome. I'm re- but, but
1: just one last thought that yeah. I think is really important. It, it, it's just, if you're listening and, and you're having a real hard time, uh, and no way am I belittling your pain, I just want to encourage you that, that there's another side to your story, um, even in the pain. So, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're like that, in that moment, like Casper was talking about, where there's no food, um, here he is and there's food. You know, you got to keep walking. You got to keep walking. Uh, but in no way, please, please belittle your pain.
0: Right. Thank you, Victor. Would you like to uh, go ahead and give our listeners and our viewer uh, like your Instagram handle or where they can find your work?
1: Yeah, you you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Victor B Like Boy Atkins Art. Or you can find me also on Instagram at Isaac Underscore Movie. So that's uh, bottom dash and right? that's the project that you're working yeah. on right yeah. now that's the project that i'm working now Great. i've been radio silent on, on instagram but there'll be more stuff coming
0: up in the, these next few months okay i look forward to it as much as i've i've looked forward to all your your previous stuff that you posted um i really appreciate it victor and uh obviously i'm really terrible at doing the wrap-up on these things because i don't know how to end yeah it. you know we just keep, we just keep talking through <laughs> it yeah. But th- thank
1: you for inviting me. Thank you for like uh, yeah, I look forward giving to me an opportunity <laughs> to, to share some of the yeah. nonsense
0: that runs around my head. But I'm I'm sure that there's there's people out there that there's going to be one person that just absolutely appreciates and and you know it could shift someone's life like to hear something at a certain certain time. So uh, it's definitely appreciated. And uh, thank you for watching. Make sure you. Uh, we don't have to. You could subscribe to the channel. Uh, we re- we just a, we just reached we just we just reached a milestone as far as just subscribers go. Subscribe. Yeah, that's all you had to do is just click it. It's pretty it's pretty no damn No big deal easy out of your you life, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for everybody that's listening on all the the audio streaming platforms as well. And uh, you guys stay free. Thank you. Peace. Change something. Skateboarding is a way of learning how to read the find The Orders of this country don't care about the poor mm-hmm. in